0: Um, you know, I had a I had a friend and a mentor that asked me once. He said, "Hey, because when I was going through this crisis of like, I don't know if like I want to keep doing what I'm doing right now. Like, I don't I don't feel like it's uh, I don't feel fulfilled in this." And he asked me. He said, "If you had 10 million dollars in the bank right now, like overnight, 10 million dollars wired to you, what's the first thing you would do?" And I was uh, I was kind of joking, but I was kind of real, and my answer kind of. Uh, a very well-described situation that I was in, I said, I would take a nap.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> first things first, go take a nap. Like I just need to rest mm. and, he's, and he laughed and he said, you know, that's, uh, some people say that and that's, it's, it's good, but he says the most successful people that I know, uh, the way they answer that question is they say, I would keep doing exactly
2: what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Rough Cut Club. I am your host, Joey Nicotra, here with my incredible co-host, Mr. Shane Reitzammer. Shane, how are you doing today, bro?
1: Great, man. It's a a rainy day in Dallas, and I'm happy to have the crew back. We had a crew out in uh, San Diego doing a little project for a
2: corporate gig.
1: (laughs) And uh, Joey, uh, how many hours of sleep have you had? Yeah,
2: I worked 48 hours, uh, and of those 48... No, I'm sorry. In two days, I worked, I think, 40 three 42 or 43 out of 48 hours and so i'm running on i was running on steam to get that done but we just wrapped a really cool project for sonic and dr pepper uh out in san diego so it was a good time yeah, he's, he's still running on empty he, yeah he's trying to figure <laughs> out he's like how many hours are there in two yeah, days no, seriously i was 40. starting to uh what's the word hallucinate, uh, hallucinate <laughs> by the end. yeah my mind is like still there but starting to hallucinate after a two-day production where we cranked out 10 videos in 24 hours uh, after a one-day shoot. It was like a 17-hour shoot day and then 24 hours of straight editing and powered through 10 videos. Man, Man, You
1: guys are the champs. That's why I pay you all the big bucks. That's right. (laughs) Hey, but no hallucinations today, sir. We have somebody super... Uh, awesome, famous, yes. in the podcast
2: today. Who's who's our guest? Yes, bro? our next guest is somebody who has been dominating the social media space, not just for himself, but for his clients as well. We are welcoming to the show the director for Celadora Studios, founder of Cinema Mastery, and secret rock star musician, ah. the short-form content expert, Mr. Eric Thane. Eric, thanks for joining us today, man.
0: <laughs> hey, what's up, guys? That was the best intro I've ever heard. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I'm
2: starting to get that on like most of the podcasts, yeah. and I'm really excited. You're good. Man. <laughs> Hi, man. Yeah, I need you like waking me up in the morning with that. Yeah, I love it, man. Well, can we you are just,
0: can you just follow me around and introduce me to dude. everybody. I meet? <laughs> yeah.
2: Absolutely, man. Yeah. I think we'll make that our new MO from now on. There we go. Well, dude, you are someone who I stumbled upon, uh, just scrolling through the Instagram world. And I, your content really stood out to me. Um, you know, there's so many like Instagram gurus out there just in every sector of the social media space and your content shined through. And I was like, man, this dude is actually giving real value and teaching others how to not only, you know, really do what we're doing here, like teaching the art and the business of filmmaking. And I was like, this dude would be an amazing guest to have on because you have been crushing the social media game and really helping the entire filmmaking community for a long time.
0: Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, for those who uh, don't know about you, can you give me a little bit of insight into who you are and what you've been doing in the industry? Yeah,
0: I mean it's a long story and it goes way back. But um, you know, I've been I've been a creative like uh, into music, film, art, drawing, design, everything like since I was really young. So I started playing the piano at like seven years old. I've played for how many years has it been now? Twenty six years. Um I uh, did that, like got into, you know, making videos when I was a little kid. I was I was using my uh my parents' camcorder. I don't remember those camcorders with the high eight tapes. Yeah. Yeah, so that was how I got started making uh, videos. We would go and like, my friends and I, we were really into like superhero movies and stuff. And so we'd go and like try to recreate action scenes and like really cool, like in camera special practical effects. And so we would do that. And so I, I got into uh, filmmaking that way and then got into graphic design and started doing that. And then um, really like throughout my teenage years and my high school and college years was all just me trying to figure out what do I love to do and how can I make money doing it? And so that was kind of like my motto growing up was like, I want to just do what I love and I want to make a living doing it. And that's pretty much the goal. And so I got into, I got into iPhone development, web development, coding, like uh, music production, started a recording studio, got into filmmaking, making YouTube videos, um, started a production company, um, did that. And then, uh, and then, you know, that obviously grew into other things, which we'll probably end up talking about at some point today, I'm sure. Um, But... But yeah, that's 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 really who I am. Like at the core, I'm a I'm a creator, right? I just love uh, creativity and art and like in building things in the world. Whether that's whether it's a a painting or it's a business, right? It's just creating something, adding value to the world, contributing to the world. And uh, yeah, I think I guess that's what I would say is like that's what I'm all about.
1: Man, I love that. I love I love we share that uh the the high eight super eight you know the tape camcorders. Back I was in the day, mini man. DV. That's, you were mini DV. I was you mini DV. Yeah, yeah, but man, I remember those backyard, like we, we have some short films I got to dig up that like never saw the light of day and they're probably terrible, but I'd love to like
2: get those digitized and Absolutely. See if they're any good. So yeah. sick, man. Well, uh, clearly like, you know, that was, uh, your start starting the journey and fast forward to where you're at now, man. Like when I, when I glance at your page and, and just try to get an insight into who you are, like now you're, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like a large majority of your social presence is on giving back to the filmmaking community, uh, and inspiring others and educating others. So talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, what kind of inspired getting that journey started and, and what you're doing, what you're trying to accomplish online.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. So, uh, about a year and a half ago, um, I guess we'll just get into it cuz this is like uh, this is uh this is where it all comes out but about a year and a half ago I I had like a, a a mini midlife crisis. In fact, I was wondering the other day I was like, "Can you have a midlife crisis in your early 30s cuz <laughs> I feel like that's what happened to me over the last year and a half. If not, then I'm in for a really wild ride." Yeah. But um, yeah. that's that's kind of like what happened. So, I I, you know, about 7 8 years ago I built this business helping filmmakers online and like that was the goal was like I just wanted to teach filmmakers and like I created courses and coaching programs and masterminds and everything. We built this whole community of uh, 15,000 filmmakers in a hundred countries around the world and, sure. uh, and did the whole thing and, and it was amazing and I loved doing it. And like I'm a filmmaker, I'm passionate about filmmaking. I, I, I'm I decent at it at least. Like I, I felt like I could teach people, you know, my methods. Um, Cause I had built a production agency. We were getting like pretty high level clients and, and doing pretty well. And so a lot of people were asking me questions like, how did you do that? How do you create work like that? How do you get those clients and everything? And so I started just sharing those ideas with people. It eventually turned into the courses and the masterminds and all that kind of stuff. And so for seven years, um, that's what I was doing is I was was selling those courses and programs to filmmakers. And about a year and a half ago, um, I I mean, I won't get into the whole story, but the short version of it is that that business basically crashed. Mm. And uh, there were a lot of reasons why. A lot of things that, uh, mistakes that I made um, that, you know, in hindsight, it's really easy to spot them and be like, oh, that's exactly what I did wrong. Um, You know, relied too heavily on Facebook ads, and then Facebook ads got really expensive, and then it started causing problems, and then we were were in deep with payroll, and then all this stuff started happening, and and I hit a really, really low point Mm. in my business and in my life. And it was like one of the hardest times because I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't know. I I just didn't know what the, what the goal was. I was like, I'm I'm doing this. I'm stuck. Like my ad costs are insane through the roof. Uh, I'm running out of money. I'm going further and further into debt, like every single day. Uh, just like, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're, you go into one month with a certain amount of money in your bank account and you come out of that month with less in your bank account, you really start to wonder what the heck am I even doing here? Like Mm -hmm. what is happening? And so, um, a lot of that started happening in uh, what, what it, you know, what they say is that your, your deepest valleys serve to teach you the lessons that you need to get to the next peak. Mm -hmm. Right. And that for me was basically what happened, even though it's really hard in the moment and you've got this, like this hard thing that you're going through, like those, those, those failures, those, those struggles really serve as lessons for you because you're, you're going to learn in that, in that struggle, what like what you got wrong like what you what you're doing wrong in order to in like if you learn that lesson that will take you to the next peak and that's really what happened to me was uh it took me through this really like almost an identity crisis of trying to decide like what am i doing why am i doing it like am i doing this for the right reasons am i doing it because it's what i want is it am i doing it because i really want to serve or is it or am i doing it because i feel like i need an outcome or i needed uh, money or recognition or, or, or fame. And, and when you start having those really deep discussions, I think this is really important for creators in general, because, because a lot of us, when we create whatever it is that we're creating, whether it's a a business or it's a, it's art or it's filmmaking or, or whatever it is, whatever you're producing in the world, a lot of times we create out of what we think is what we want to create, but it's really actually born out of a need for some sort of outcome, right? It's like, it's like I'm making films, or I'm building this business because I need to make money, or I need to be seen as successful, or I need to be validated um, by other people. And that's not really true creation, right? True creation is born from within. It's born from a a want, a desire to serve, a love, a passion. It's uh, it's you creating what you want to create because you want to create it no matter what happens. And that was kind of like the epiphany that started going through my head at that point when I started realizing that and understanding that What I had to do in that moment was probably the hardest thing for me, which was um, in the the moment of the most need to make money in order for me to survive, I had to choose to let go of that need. Let go of the need to make money, to see an outcome, to see anything happen and get back to doing what I love to do simply because I love to do it.
1: Mm. And that is a very
0: hard thing to do in a moment like that. And it's a very it feels like a very risky thing to do like that it's really hard to not need money when you need money
1: yeah
0: <laughs> right and so and so it was it was it was scary it was a it was it you know I didn't know what was gonna happen luckily I had a really good mentor who helped me understand this and helped me see that that's what was going on and that I needed to learn how to let go of that need for validation success money like whatever it is and just get back to doing what I love because I love to do it and by doing that um which Honestly, it was a whole inner journey that I went through that was intense, and I learned a lot about meditation, and you know, learned how to like uh, get over uh, depression and anxiety and like all the things that I was struggling with that that were caused by my business. Um, what happened is I started making higher quality decisions, uh, which is which is a result of being in your creative space, in your zone. When you're in a flow state, you make really good decisions. Um, so that's a result of being of being present, right? Of being aware, not operating from your past self. Um, so I started making a lot of higher quality decisions and uh, and growing the business again. And one of those decisions was I decided to start posting on social media short form video content every single day. Mm. And uh, mm. and it was a it was a like this is all I have left. Like I just got to get back to just creating and helping people and just do what I, what I can do and see what happens. Um, And I did that, I started posting every single day. The videos weren't very good uh, at first. I don't know if you guys saw those videos. This was like literally just a year and a half ago. And uh, I started making my first videos, which I had made videos before. I had created content, but it was always sporadic and inconsistent, and like just never really could stick with it. You know how you start making stuff for a couple weeks, and then and then you it dies off, and you focus on something else. Like us entrepreneurs and us creatives, like we're just all over the place, and mm-hmm. that's just how it usually goes. And so, but I was like, this time I'm actually going to do it. I'm going to post every single day. And and uh, I had a mentor of mine. His name is Russell Brunson. He said, if you post every single day for a year you, like your life will change. You will find your voice, you will become financially free uh, and like all this stuff will change. And I said, you know what? I'm just gonna put all my faith in my mentor. That's what he said, I'm gonna do it and we're gonna see what happens. And I started doing it. I started posting videos every single day. For the first two months of posting short form videos, I was losing followers every single day. Mm. So imagine that, making these videos, not knowing if it's gonna work, not knowing if, if, if this is even the right idea. And, uh, and seeing my follower count go down every single day. Uh, they were getting low engagement, like not a lot of comments or anything like that. And I was, but I was like, I was committed. I was like, I'm gonna do this. And so I kept going, kept going. Uh, the second two months, it kind of like, it went flat. So it's like I was gaining the same number of followers as I was losing every day. So it was like a net zero for two more months. Okay, so four months of like no real traction. And then sometime around the middle of month five, is when things went like parabolic mm. and they started taking off. And, they, it, and the video started taking off, they started getting a ton of views, like hundreds of thousands of views. We started getting uh, you know, thousands of people following me every single day. Uh, started getting, um, the, the reach, what like my account was reaching 500 to 600,000 people every single month. Uh, it was crazy. We started driving traffic and leads into our, into our offers and our products and our services and, and all this stuff. And like after, you know, about six months of doing this consistently, uh, short form videos saved my business Mm. and, Mm. um, and not only my business, but in a lot of ways, my life. And it really, it really was so interesting because, as cool as the journey was to like getting the followers and the money and like being able to have like hundreds of thousands of followers online, which is all cool and everything, um, as cool as that was, what was more impactful and more meaningful was the second part of what my mentor Russell Brunson told me that most people don't really think about. He said that he said that I'm convinced you'll become financially free if you do this. But the other thing he said is that you'll find your voice. And that's the part that I think a lot of people gloss over. All right, that because it's like kind of ethereal, like, what does that even mean? But you'll find your voice. And that's really what happened is in that time, I think the more powerful thing that happened for me was that I found my voice. I started to I started to think really hard about like, okay, I've got this following now. I've got these people that are watching me that are paying attention. And, you know, at the time I was just posting stuff about filmmaking. When you get a lot of people following you and you get to the point where like you make a post and there's like thousands of people liking it, tons of people commenting on it, like getting hundreds of thousands of views, it really makes you start to think about what message you're putting into the world. Mm. Right? At the beginning it's just like whatever I can do to get people to follow, right? And when it starts growing, it's like, what am I what am I actually doing with this? What am I what am I gonna try and do? And what I really discovered over a period of time after that was like my my in a way like my true mission, my true purpose in life. And like what is it that I'm here for and what what do I really want? And what I discovered is that filmmaking is a part of that mission, but it's very it's only a part, right? And while I'd spent all these years talking solely about filmmaking, I realized that for me to really like serve my purpose, to serve people at the highest level, do what I can and like and really think about like what am I going to do for the rest of my life from now until my deathbed. Um, it involves a lot more than just filmmaking. it involves entrepreneurship it involves personal development and ultimately at the end of the day, it involves becoming a creator mm-hmm. and so that 's like the mission that i 'm on right now and uh and honestly will be probably for the rest of my life is that it's it 's about it 's about starting to see myself as a creator, seeing myself as somebody who who creates for the sake of creating for the sake of for the sake of building something for providing value into the world and, and honestly helping other entrepreneurs and creatives and filmmakers and other people to see themselves as such to see themselves as somebody who's providing value to the world and see that the content creation or the filmmaking or whatever is not just a tool for getting leads or followers or a tactic for getting an outcome in your business it's actually uh it's actually a way to rally people to your cause and so um, there's so much more to it <laughs> and, uh, and I can go a lot deeper, but, but that's the idea. And I, like, that's the mission is like, I want, I want people, I want everyone to see themselves as creators because I believe that if everyone sees themselves as creators, as somebody who can provide value to the world and make the world a better place, then it will truly become a better place.
2: Dude. I gotta say that was probably the biggest mic drop moment that has happened on the podcast so far, dude. That was, dude, thank you so much. One for your vulnerability. Uh, Just even at the beginning of that, I have like 17 things that I have follow up questions on from there. Um, But dude, your story is really inspiring. And I think it's relatable to a lot of people in a lot of different ways, Um, even to myself. And going back to one of the earlier pieces that you mentioned was when you tried to, you almost felt like you got lost in your art and in your business and in the direction that you were going uh, and initially pursuing and getting wrapped up in the money piece and the type of art that you were creating. And I actually feel um, in a lot of ways in a very similar place right now myself. And I think that a lot of creatives can relate to just the lack of clarity piece that they have almost in the direction that they're they're pursuing art in. And so I'm curious just, you know, to piggyback on top of that, what were some of the ways that you actually did find clarity in where you were going as an artist and how other people can really, you know, uh find their mission uh in in the art that they're creating?
0: So one thing that I think creators really need that they don't ever get enough of is what I call creative space. And what creative space is, is, well, it can can take a lot of different forms, but I think for a lot of people and in a lot of cases, it means you're spending a lot of time doing nothing. (laughs) And this is something that most creators don't get enough of. Mm -hmm. right? We're, we're always like, it's always onto the next shoot. It's onto the next thing, building the next business, launching the next product, like doing the next offer, shooting the next podcast. Like it's just from thing to thing, to thing, to thing. And honestly, people in today's world are addicted to just being productive, addicted Mm -hmm. to getting stuff done, addicted to being entertained, to not having quiet, uninterrupted time to just like, literally people ask me like, what do you do during that time? I'm like, nothing. Mm -hmm. Just sit there, just sit think breathe meditate like whatever it is it's it's really a lost art in our world today because because think about it we're so addicted to dopamine and like we have we have tablets and phones and watches and we have uh, you know, we've got YouTube and social media and all this stuff, and we've just learned to just constantly be inundated with dopamine, inundated with, uh, entertainment and value and, and all those kind of things It's the reason why we wake up in the morning, we grab our phones, we look at it, we get up, we go shower, we go to work, we finish work, we go watch Netflix, and then we go back to bed again. Like we don't want any time, any gaps between those things because, because if we, if we, if we feel those gaps, um, what happens is in those gaps is that we feel what we call bored right but what is what is boredom what is boredom really boredom is a is a physiological manifestation of some inner trauma inner pain and without going too deep into that rabbit hole and like where that comes from you think about it like it's uncomfortable to sit still and not do anything. Your brain probably goes a million different directions like I should be doing this, I need to do this and like I could watch this and I wanna look at my phone, I wanna pull it up and I wanna check my notifications or I wanna, like all that kind of stuff. It's it's our brains trying to distract us, it's trying to find that drug to cover up the pain. It's just like if you took drugs for uh, a depression or whatever, like you become addicted to that drug because it makes you feel happy, but is it real happiness? Is it real joy? No, it's just a, it's just a Band-Aid over top of it. And so, and so I think that like one of the skills that creatives really need to develop if they want to really truly become a creator, really truly go to the deepest levels of their creativity is the skill of being bored. (laughs) It's learning how to be bored and learning to become okay with being bored. Because I don't know about you guys, but my best ideas, my most creative ideas come when I'm bored. You guys feel the same way? A hundred percent.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I literally, to to jump in, just did what you're saying for the very first time, like in my life, where I scheduled time to be bored to get into that creative space where I just stop, meditate, and think about where I'm going as an artist. And it's so timely. I didn't even expect to get into this, but it's so timely because I'm literally, it's on, I, I did it two days ago for the very first time. And it was such a, moment of awakening for me is what I want to do as an artist and what my goals really are and you know who I want to see myself become and the type of content that I want to create and it's i I'd never done it before and I have a, a follow-up day of just creative uh, free what would you call it again creative space. Great like base. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and just being bored this
1: Saturday. I got to jump in cuz yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're about to bring a tear to Joey's eye, man. This I is great cuz know. So, so have you heard of the book called Vivid Vision? Uh Eric, it's yeah. a, so so it's a, so I did this Vivid Vision thing and it was the first time I mean you're preaching to me too, man, cuz like I'm a guy that if I'm not running 100 miles per hour, then I I feel like something's wrong. And so I finally did this Vivid Vision quest and went out into the woods and did this whole, like, be still, leave everything behind, all electronics and kind of, you know, and same thing that Joey just went on. And it was, like, the first time that we had that board space. And so much growth, personal growth, happened in, like, 12 hours. And that's sad to say that, like, I've only, you know, stopped for 12 hours. You know, it was, like, two years ago. um Mm -hmm. So definitely preaching to both of us there, man. I think it's this is great, actually, since you're going to be doing it this Saturday, man. Literally right before... But, uh, dude, I, I strongly, I need, I needed to hear this as well. And I want to go back to even earlier, what you were saying, the, uh, the midlife crisis thing. I think all content creators need to hear that. And and I will say too, you were like, I don't know if it, you know, if it happens in the third, it happened twice in my, I'm late thirties. And I feel like it's already happened twice in my thirties. So, (laughs) so I'm with you brother. And, uh, and I think other content creators need to hear that because it is such a drive, right? There's, it's the hustle mentality, right? The grind, you got to keep posting and doing all this stuff. And I think people do hit that burnout. Like we all, we all do. And we forget you know, your voice and, and why you're doing things. So dude, I feel like we need to bottle this up. Eric, (laughs) you need to like, we could just sell that piece for you somewhere, bro. We're (laughs) going to send it like, that's a whole like therapy session that thank you, man. We both need to hear that. Um, but I got to jump on one more thing too, that the free projects, uh, Joey and I were talking about this too and I think you touched on this you were like when you had that space and you like not caring about money when you actually really needed money. And Joey and I just recently started to do spec shoots and passion projects over the last 2 years. Out of the vivid vision that I had for the company, it was like let's do stuff that we own, that we want to do, you know? We don't yeah. we make content for everybody, but let's do stuff for us. And he and I both look at each other every time on set and we're like we're having so much fun, man! This is the best thing ever. We're not getting paid a dime. We're actually losing a bunch of money because we're paying, you know, for some things that people aren't donating or volunteering. And man, I couldn't agree with you more, dude. You've got to find that space to take away the money and the stress of all of that. And then I think that's where the the true art really comes out. Some of our favorite yeah. projects we didn't get a paid paid a dime. In fact, yeah. we paid to make them. And uh, mm-hmm. so I, I just love that. Going back to the the. the the uh when you saw that spike i know i'm getting to the weeds of like metrics now and stuff too but you know would you say was there like a single post or a couple of posts that you really felt like dude it was that or do you feel like it was just the consistency of five months you said you started to see that uptick in video views but if you had to like think back on that do you remember like a specific post that really just pushed it or do you think it was the consistency
0: no, you know, for me, it wasn't like a specific post. I know there's there's people that just like post, 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 and then boom, something takes off, and then it mm-hmm. takes them to the next level. It it really like I had a few that did pretty well, but like I don't think I don't think any of my views have like over a million views. For mm-hmm. example, like there's people that have like like I have a friend just the other day who had a video like. That was like got like 200 million views. Right. God. And, uh, and it's insane. And like that can happen for people. Uh, for me, it wasn't that it was just like consistently putting out value over and over and over again and just, and just showing up every single day and making that content. And yeah, there were ones that took off and got a hundred, 200,000 views. Uh, you know, most of them range between like 5,000 to 20,000 views. And mm-hmm. so, uh, it was just kind of like that was happening. And it just happened over time, and then and then slowly, like things started just taking off and started working. And so, and so I don't I don't think it's so much. In fact, this is like I teach people this: that it's like it's not so much about like trying to find that viral formula or that viral video that's going to take off. Uh, I I think that there's there's value in doing that, like for sure. Like you should understand virality: what makes something shareable, what makes a video take off, what makes people want to share it, so that you can like capitalize on. Social media and what actually works, because if you want to get your message out there, then like that's going to help you do it. And the truth is, one huge viral video can completely change your life. Mm. And so, um, understanding those those viral formulas, I think, is really important. But never with the expectation that like I'm just trying to find one video that will take off for me that can just change everything, Mm. because it's kind of like those you know people that win the lottery. Or that, uh, that like you see athletes sometimes they become famous, they make a ton of money, and then a few years later, like it's all gone, right mm. and, and the thing is like making a lot of money, actually just having a downpour of money in your life is probably not going to serve you very well um, if your identity hasn't changed mm. and if you haven't um, if you haven't learned like how to how to grow that and keep wealth like that and I, and I, and I look at social media as being the same way, like just getting like an inundation of followers or an inundation of like of uh, views on a on one piece of video content if you haven't adopted the identity of a content creator and know how to work with that like it's not going to sustain and you'll see other people they'll get a ton of followers off of one viral video and then they get excited and then whatever changes and they stop posting consistently and then and then the account dies and maybe the account still has a million followers but then but then the engagement is super low because they didn't capitalize on it. They didn't keep mm. that, like, momentum going. And so I think for a lot of people, it's actually better, you know, as much as it isn't as fun to hear this, it's probably better for you to, like, grow slowly and grow consistently over time because you're going to learn, like, what it takes to be a creator, to, to put yourself out there, to, to be uh, successful. And those are the lessons you need to learn in order to, like, be around and be relevant in the long term.
1: It's so well said. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I know of clients, and I've seen other influencers where they do have that one big blow up post, right? And I think, I think you're you nailed it. It's like, you they're always trying to replicate that again, and they can't replicate it. Yeah. And really, what's missing is their voice. Like, why are they creating the content, and what's the purpose behind it? Instead of like. This was a really dope post that, you know, got picked up by algorithm and got a lot of views, but it's not sustainable.
2: Well, and I think it's like also to your point, it's who you become in the process, you know what I mean? That allows you to help uh, sustain your journey, like the daily consistent grind. Um, You know, it changes part of your identity. It's like working out every day where it's like when you show up every single day, even when you don't want to, who you become mentally, not just physically happens in the days that you show up when you don't want to show up. And so I think that's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's something profound to that. I actually, I have another question too, even just on the finding your voice piece. Um, You mentioned that like in being consistent every single day, it helped you to find your voice. I'm curious if there's any other advice you would give to creators who are struggling to find their voice outside of just posting consistently, like, what, what are some steps that people can do to help find your voice? And and what is that? Like, why is that important for for a creative to to find their own voice?
0: Yeah, you know, and I think it takes a lot of time for you may not be in the season of your life where you're ready to like, figure that out. And and it's okay. Like, I think it's an important step. But it's not, um, it's not something that's like, I can't what a lot of creators will do is they'll be like, I a lot of so a lot of people, is like starting out, will um, avoid or procrastinate producing or creating in the world because they haven't figured it out yet, right? And that's and that's a problem. It's like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to be. Like, if if so, if you're in that stage and you're like, I don't know, like who I'm gonna be or like what I'm what I'm trying to do or what I want to make happen, then the answer is like just get out there and start making stuff. Mm-hmm. Like just go. Whether if you're a filmmaker, go start shooting passion projects. Go start working with clients. Like go test a ton of different things. Like go figure out what you actually love. And you know, and it's, that tends to be a lot of people in the in their in their twenties or maybe even younger or 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 even thirties. It's like it's like just go just go have fun and, and figure it out and test it out. And that's and that's really like who I'm speaking to. Where I'm like, if you're trying to get started with content creation, you don't really know who you are yet. Just start creating a lot of content, and like you're gonna figure it out really fast because content creation has this way of exposing you to the world and uh and like the only way to get the next level is allow yourself to be exposed to be vulnerable and to open up and it's a it's a it's a very um i believe it's a very noble journey it's very needed for most people in the world and it is the like the biggest thing that will make an impact on other people is uh the more that we all like open up about like what's really going on and and uh, share those journeys with people and so and so I think like if that's you like just get started creating and start figuring that out and it'll happen and then um, and then the uh, the, but the actual like finding your voice is really like what it comes down to is finding that like personal mission Uh, like what am I going to do from now until the rest of uh, until the end of my life right what is the thing that I'm going to do and it's usually not like a tactical thing like if you're a filmmaker, it's probably not filmmaking. There's something broader there. There's something, there's like, why did you get into filmmaking? What is it about filmmaking that really scratches an itch for you? Um, what is it about it? And, and that's what I discovered for me is that like, I love the filmmaking, I love the cinematography, but why why do I love creating beautiful images? Why am I so impacted by something like, watching a commercial that's beautiful and the music and everything like, why does that hit me so hard? Cause it doesn't other people. So like, why does that matter to me? And when I started asking myself those questions, and started getting in touch with like, why, 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 and going layers deep into like, what is actually happening underneath the surface there? It's when I started to get clarity on that, that idea that like, wow, like it actually means something really important to me to be a creator. And that's not just, at least for me, like it's not just like, People think creator, like, oh, a filmmaker, a photographer, like that kind of thing. Like I see it from like a really deep, like even divine nature standpoint. Um, I don't know if you guys are religious, but like to me, like I I believe that we were all meant to be creators. We were designed to be creators. We were designed by the creator to be creators, to create on this on this earth and to produce and to provide value in the world. And that's like that it actually gets down to like our essential purpose in life. And so for me, that's what it was all about. It was asking those questions of why, why do I care about this? And, and then going another layer deep, like, why do I care about that? And why do I care about that? Why do I care about that? And then really starting to figure that out. So, so I would say that it's, it's getting out there, starting to create content because, because content creation again is exposing and it's vulnerable and it, and it works for, (laughs) for getting you to know those things. Um, but then, but then really like, is that creative space that we talked about? Take some time to meditate on um, why do I do what I do? What, what, what do I really care about? What is what is important to me? And when you start asking those questions, you start asking questions like, um, you know, I had a I had a friend and a mentor that asked me once. He said, "Hey, because when I was going through this crisis of like, I don't know if like I want to keep doing what I'm doing right now. Like, I don't I don't feel like it's uh, I don't feel fulfilled in this." and he asked me he said if you had 10 million dollars in the bank right now like overnight 10 million dollars wired to you what's the first thing you would do and i was uh i was kind of joking but I was kind of real and my answer kind of uh very well described the situation that i was in i said i would take a nap
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> first things first go take a nap like i just need to rest mm. and he yeah. and he laughed and he said you know that's uh, some people say that and that's it's it's good but he says, the most successful people that I know, uh, the way they answer that question is they say, I would keep doing exactly what I'm doing right now. Mm. And when he said that, I knew that that was a huge missing piece in my life. Something about what I was doing wasn't aligning with me. It wasn't what I wanted to be doing. It wasn't, uh, it was working. It was making money, Right and so like i felt the you know the need to keep doing it in order to continue making that money or continue putting on this facade of success and when but when internally like i was actually struggling and actually didn't really feel fulfilled and so those questions are really helpful it is really starting to think like what is the thing that i'm going to do from now until the rest of my life like the business that i'm in right now if I grow that thing and, it, and it, it scales and I exit and I make a ton of money, then like, what would I do then? If I had $10 million in the bank, what would I do? What would I do if I knew that no matter what I do, it will be successful? If I knew that whatever I did would be successful, what would I do? Mm. Uh, when I started asking those questions, that's, that's when I started figuring it out.
1: Man, Dude. that's beautiful, yeah.
2: It's, it's so timely.
1: Oh, I think there's some tears yeah. in Joey's <laughs> eyes over there, actually. <laughs> it's so timely. Dude, Look at this. Dude, it is.
2: I'm like literally in the middle of this quest right now in my own like <laughs> personal life and I'm like such I'm going to go back and just re-listen to this podcast just for me, yeah, man. It's, listen it's, to it tomorrow, man. I think it's such You're gonna an, find it, Dude, it's such an important question. All of these are imp- important questions to ask and to to have direction and you know, part of that Vivid Vision book that Shane was mentioning is like so many people so often in in life, like um, just paraphrasing, but they they just keep going in their careers without ever answering those questions. And then they get, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years into their journey and they look back and they still don't know the why and why they're doing what they're doing. And man, I just find so much personal value in, just the you know, having a personal mission that you are you're fighting for. And um I, I can't remember if we mentioned this, but someone uh you know, someone in that book they were talking about if you're building a church uh and, and or, or or something like that and you tell the brick the person who's laying brick like, you know, you're gonna you're gonna go build bricks for this church. Uh versus if you told someone you're gonna go build Uh, bricks for this church so that people can go and worship like a God that they love and who have served them. They're going to build that church with more mission and purpose in their everyday life. And I think having that mission and purpose that we can grab onto where it's like, we know the bricks that we're building are for this specific purpose. uh, It aligns you to live a more fulfilled life. And um, especially as a creative, like so often creatives, You know, they work so hard to make a living creating in the very beginning that they, you know, sell their souls, so to speak, to whatever creative opportunities come their way. And then they get to a place where now they're not hurting as much for money and they start to ask those questions on what do I really want to create now that money is not tied to the need, uh, like you mentioned early on. And so. I just think that that's a really profound mission and quest to get on as a creative and just as a person. So
1: yeah, you got to find those, the, like you said, the creative space to ask those questions. Like Simon Sinek, start with why. why. Yeah. Like that's what I did. I sat there, same thing. And just like, why do I do this? Why is this important to me? You know, what yeah. do I really want to do? And those kind of things. And I mean, I, again, I think it's, it's still changing for me right. to this day. That's what I'm saying. You know, there's always that quest I feel like that I'm on, but uh, you know, to get, to uh, the data. I, I want to know how you operate now. So like you know, with all this in in mind, right? I mean, you're still pumping out content. You're running, you know, businesses. You're doing all this stuff. You know, how how do you, I'm curious, like how do you juggle all of that now? Um, I, I'm guessing you're still putting out daily content, right? So are you like, uh, you know, again, this is getting to the weeds of the process, but are you like batch shooting them? Or are you like, do you have a daily hmm. routine of like, I'm waking up, I shoot a piece of content, I edit it? You know, then I spend you know some creative space. Like, what does that look like, Eric, in your life right now?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, there are some people that do that, where it's like you know daily, just like wake up, make a piece of content, edit it, put it out there, and then just repeat that um, every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a that's not a system that works for me, mm-hmm. and uh, so I think it's a matter of finding out like what what works for you. And I also like um, I have I have more important things to be doing too. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be spending like all day, every day making content like the content's a key part of the equation right to, to build the to build the movement to build the the cause like to to support people to teach people like that's huge but there's but there's like i feel like there's so much more to do mm-hmm. and so uh for me so the, the way that i do it like yeah i typically um i typically batch content i'll sit down and shoot you know uh, uh because because i'm a filmmaker i and i have the camera set up and everything i'll i'll, I'll shoot like Sometimes even just like five or ten videos in one go, maybe every other week, or I'll sit down and create some content. Um, if I'm out and about, or I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm, I'm doing a podcast interview, or I'm like traveling somewhere for something or whatever, like I'll, I'll, you know, make sure that I'm capturing content and creating stuff so that we can add that into the mix as well. Um, but it's, but it's usually, you know, about every other week for most of the creators that we work with, it's usually like a once a month thing, like sit down once a month, shoot a bunch of content and get it all out there so that it's done and then hand it off to your team in order to get it, uh, produced. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like, you know, I can get in the weeds about like how I shoot content and everything, but I will say that the biggest thing, the biggest tip that I have, the biggest reason why I'm able to do it now and run all the business and everything is because of the team. Mm. And so I'm very much not a one man band like mm. I, I have a team of people that work with me that support me they're bought in on the mission they're all in on it they want to support it they want to build it with me and uh, and they and they support it and they're amazing our team's incredible and and you know I know a lot of people aren't like at the phase where they're ready to build a team yet. And that's totally fine because there is a phase as a freelancer, as an entrepreneur, where you're you're just doing everything on your own and you're building and you're trying to make it happen. And it's and it's like again, it's a noble effort and and do it and keep going. But at some point, I truly believe that if you want to dive to the deepest levels of your creativity and truly become a creator, every creator needs other creators Mm. in order to Mm. be successful. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of people out there that um, in, in today's day and age, there's a lot of people, you'll see content creators who talk about like being a solopreneur, uh, being like the one man business or the one person business and, and that kind of stuff. And there's there's some actually really like prolific creators out there that that's their whole message is teaching people that. And, um, and, and I get it 100% like that message is, very enticing very appealing to new entrepreneurs uh it makes it feel like it's going to be easy it's going to be simple and and you know like we're wired as humans to um be attracted to any message that's very simple and easy it makes it seem that way and so and 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 like and so i don't blame anybody for teaching that and i think it's a i think it's a valuable thing and and for some people at some point in their entrepreneurial journey it's it's a it's probably a good way to go um and it also is and i will say this as well uh, that we also live in an age where it is more possible than ever to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are, Mm -hmm. we're seeing seven figure entrepreneurs popping up left and right with their one man bands or minimal teams and their entire traffic source for their um, business is the audience that they've been building for the last couple of years. Mm. And so it's it's become more and more possible and it's it's an amazing age of opportunity that we're in right now. However, I will say that at some point you, you can only get so far with that mm-hmm. and I and I honestly I tried for a lot a lot of years to grow my business as a one-man business and uh, actually did really well uh, we started selling tons of products we started like got it to where it was going really well things were growing like it took off um, I mean to give you an idea like the acceleration it took me it took me th- with this business it took me three years to get to hit half a million dollars in revenue okay so if you think about that like over a three-year period a total total revenue is about $500,000 when it started taking off when it clicked when it worked um, we we matched that and we doubled it in six months so that was the acceleration to Mm -hmm. hitting over a million dollars in revenue and that was insane it was exciting and I was like I cracked the code I figured it out it was amazing but then it was like what we talked about earlier like if you just get inundated okay. what is really happening and um it all it all crashed right it it happened it grew it was amazing and then over the next like year or two or three like it just like just started disappearing because I wasn't the person that was ready to be able to do that and not that I just wasn't ready but there's there's a point where like and and usually I feel like this is around the 6 to 7 figure mark for most people where like, you just can't go to the next level by yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't have the capacity. It's just not possible. And if you're trying to still, you're really limiting the impact that you can make in the world. Mm-hmm. And so creators need creators, right? I need to be, I need to really figure out what is it that I'm good at? What is my craft? And that craft is not filmmaking. It's not photography. It's not that. It's, it's what, like, what are the soft skills that I'm really good at? What are those things that I'm really good at and how do I bring other people into my organization, into my team who are also creators who are really good at their thing? And so that I can show up and do my thing and they show up and do their thing and everybody does their thing and lets everybody else do their thing so that we can create what I call a creator economy inside of our organization. Hmm. And so Hmm. when you're building a team, like think about it that way, how can I create a team of people who are creators who are good at their craft so that we can actually uh, build something together, you know. They say like you can, um, you go faster alone, but you go farther together, right? And so, if you want to go far, go together. And so, uh, so when you when you go together, like you can go so much further. It might be like maybe it's slower, I don't know. But like when you hit that point and you really figure it out and you start growing, then like it just takes off. And and that ultimately is the goal because um, not only is it awesome to have a team that like tease me up with stuff and they take care of all the production around my content now and like help me with the editing and the, and the writing and coming up with ideas and researching and understanding like what's going on and everything like that. Um, that's really important and and just banning the the logistics of everything. Um, what's even more important is that what it allows me to do is to go to deeper and deeper levels of my craft. Mm. And so if I'm stuck in the business doing all the day to day stuff, not ever having time to have creative space to be bored, right? then am I really like becoming a creator and becoming a better creator or am I just like going through the motions over and over and over again? So by having that time and that space back, by having a really good team that handles a lot of that, offloads a lot of that for me, um, it allows me to go deeper and deeper and deeper and spend that time like really discovering things, really figuring out where I'm at and uh, and making a, a bigger impact on the world as a result.
1: Man, I couldn't agree more. So I started Cinema Story in 2010, and I went alone for you know probably four years around that 2014. Mark, I was like, I don't want to do this by myself anymore, you know. And so Cinema Story now we're we're blessed to have over like 33, you know, contractors, part time, you know, uh, employees. So a mixture of people. But the only reason we get to do what we do is because of the awesome staff that we have uh even we've got bella in the podcast room right now she's one of our interns and she brings so much value you know we've got the next generations coming in and that's what excites me now as a ceo or entrepreneur is that we have you know provided or surrounded ourselves with such a great team and i'm always looking to grow the team so this is my this is my next question for you eric how do you find those people? How do you find those creators? How have you done that? Like any advice for, for me and for other content creators, production studios, how do you surround yourself with the right people?
0: So so actually I had somebody ask me that question just the other day, um, a, uh, a management employee at a company that is worth a billion dollars. And they asked me the exact same question. They said, they said how do you find such amazing people? Mm. And, uh, and like, you know, there's a lot to it. And like, I've learned a lot over the years in terms of team development and, and uh, coaching and consulting and bringing on people and like helping people. But, but I'll say this, I'll say, this is the thing that I think that we do differently than a lot of organizations. And it all stems from what I was just talking about, about finding creators. Uh, I see all of my employees as creators. I see them as people who are talented at a thing or a, or a, a subset of things. They have specific strengths, um, which everybody does, right? We, we like everybody has strengths and weaknesses, and so we've got these strengths and this like combination of skills and passions and interests that is what I call our craft. That's your craft. That's what you're really good at, and so and so we look for people that have those things and it's not it's not so much the hard skills it's more so the soft skills like that's what i'm looking for Um, like if i'm I'm hiring a social media manager like i want somebody who knows social media and and understands the social media management but but like really i'm looking at um their their strengths finder their personality assessments i'm looking at like i want to see what what really makes you tick what are you really all about and so so that's one thing is is really getting clear on that Um, second thing is um having a really clear mission in your company um, this is this is so important because everyone on my team is bought in on the mission they're not just there for a paycheck they're not just there because they're gonna get paid and they need to make sure that they can uh, you know afford to live they're there because they want to build something with me and they know what I'm trying to build they know what the vision is what the long-term goal is where we're going how we're gonna accomplish it and, uh, and that's the very first conversation we have we have with them when we start interviewing is, uh, like when I'm interviewing people, the main thing that I'm looking for is, are you bought in on this vision? Do you want to be part of this? Do you want to build this? Because if they do, then like everything works so much better. They're going to be better employees. They're going to be better team members. They're going to crush it. They're going to work really hard. They, they, uh, you know, I find my team members sometimes like giving me their discretionary time. Like I don't, I don't expect them to work evenings and weekends, but like I get messages from them on the weekend and, uh, and, and, they, and they're, they're busy and they're working on stuff and whatever. And, and like the thing is like they're doing it because they want to, they want this to grow. They want to make it happen. They're invested in it similar to how I am as the entrepreneur. And that, that changes everything. And so not only does it help the business grow so much better, but they are happier. They're fulfilled. They're doing something that means something to them more than just making money. Similar to how we talked about like, being a creator is about creating from within, creating something that you want to, not creating for the need to get a paycheck or the need for an outcome. And so for them to be able to eliminate that need as well inside of our organization makes them a creator and allows them to grow um, uh, and, and work so much harder and just, and be happier. And so, so it's, it's really about building that culture inside of the company. And then the third thing that I would say, and this is probably one of the most important is that we hire very talented people and then here's the kicker, I let them do their job.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I don't know why it took me so long to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And this is especially true with creatives, that uh, creatives don't operate well in a space where they're constantly being told what to do. Mm-hmm. They need to be given creative space. This is where it all comes together, right? It's like it's like it, it, the reason is because I see every single person on my team as a creator. What would a creator need? And what I know from doing all this research and this deep thinking and analysis is that everyone is a creator. We're all creators. We all need that space. We all want to be valuable in the world. We all want to be part of something. We all want to build. We just need to be given the, the, the space to do that. And most people work for organizations where they just get they just get like uh you know stacked with stuff to do and they they don't get they don't give them that space and that time to to be able to you know do their art and to get good at it and to and to be in like a visionary and a strategic mode. And so um yeah that's the last thing is like when you when you hire people let them do their job. And and you know what if you let them do their job and it's just not cutting it it's not working then you got the wrong person. Yeah. And uh and you need to go make a change. But um just like constantly telling them what to do is not going to is not going to do it. So you know, I told my COO recently. I said, "I said I, I don't know why it took me so long to figure this out, but I don't hire people anymore to tell them what to do. I hire people who tell me what to do, and that's been the biggest difference."
1: Love it, yeah, love it. I man, we got the master class right there with the three recruiting tips that he told a, a billion dollar uh, yeah. corporation to, which I love, man. Thanks for sharing those, and definitely hit home. And man, I feel like uh, if I feel like you know you might not have read any of these books, Traction, Vivid Vision, or Start with Why, but I feel like he doesn't need to read those. Right. He just put the masterclass on, like because you've touched on a lot of yeah. what they say in those books, man. And and obviously you have the proof of of it actually working. So thanks for thanks for sharing. Can can, can we just dive in? What does your team look like? How are y'all remote office? Are y'all, you know, how, how many people do you have working with you? Um, what does that What does that look like currently?
0: Yeah, we're like we're like between ten or fifteen people. Um, most of them well I would say like half of them are full time W2 employees and then we've got contractors that do various things for us um, we are we're all remote uh, 100% so I, I actually love having a remote team I think it's mm-hmm. I mean I mean, just the, the ability to hire like anyone in the world is amazing so you're not having to like try to find somebody in your local area or like get somebody to move out there uh, it can be very limiting so so when you're looking for really good talent, it's it's helpful, and, um, and and I like being remote. It's it's fun to just like we get on Zoom, we do our calls, we co work together sometimes on Slack. Um, we just we do yeah. So that's that's how we run everything is is remotely, yeah. and um, yeah, it's it's primarily like one the one the way that we've structured our team is a series of, it, it's based on people's skill sets. It's based on people's um, their strengths, right? And some people are more visionary, some people are more strategic, some people are more tactical. And so we have like and I think it's part of the reason why it works. And one of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make hiring creatives is it is that they don't understand how creatives work. Mm-hmm. How 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 they need to like operate in order to be successful within a role. And so and so like I I'm a creative and I've worked with creatives my entire life. Like I know people on that level. Um, and it's and it's a It's a different way of looking at people, but I think by doing that, it's it's helped us like structure it like, almost look at it as like stacks. So within any given department, we have like the more visionary strategic types, and then we have the more tactical people. So like, if it's graphic design, for example, we need like visionary graphic designer who can see the whole picture. Uh, but that's not going to be the same person who's just, like, boots on the ground, on the floor, like, mass-producing thumbnails for us, right? And so so, so a lot of people look at it as, like, I just need a graphic designer. And then they expect them to do everything, but they don't look at, like, what type of designer is this? Is, they, is this, like, a more tactical person? Is a more visionary person? And you really, like, you need both or even in some cases three of them to really get the full stack and the real understanding of, like, what is, what is going to do it? Like, I'm more of a visionary person. Like I understand the vision of things. If you try to get me to like sit and edit videos all day long, like it's just, isn't going to happen. Like I'm not the person for that. And so, and so knowing like what people are are good at in those soft skills, uh, really dictates like where you put them in the organization and how you build that team where everybody's in the right seat and they're doing the thing that they love and that they're good at. And so then everyone's fulfilled
2: and they work crazy hard, man. I, I, I think there was a point in time when Shane and I were the ones who were primarily doing most everything in the company and there was a shift at one point and it gave me the freedom to focus on being a DP for the most part and that was one of the coolest moments just in my career when I got to step back and just focus on what I love the most and what has brought me the most fulfillment from a career standpoint. And I still do other things. But I love when I get to be in my creative space and and doing the thing that I love the most. um, And just pushing my myself and my personal boundaries. And it makes me want to create an amazing product, you know, for the company. And so I love just the idea that you, you know, brought up about how you build your team and the freedom that it allows each of them to do. I got to transition though, really quick to Celadora Studios mm-hmm. and ask you about, you know, uh, the short form business uh, empire that you have created. Um, because Shane and I, I would say probably about two years ago, give or take, um, started diving into the social media retainer space. Um, and started having those, you know, short form retainer models where you go and you shoot, you know, 30 pieces of content for someone so they have a piece of content to drop every single day and then helping them out with YouTube and then podcasts like this. Um and so I'm curious um, you know, just what an insider's look is on Celador Celadora Studios, the type of products you make and how you've allowed your clients to be successful in that model.
0: So, so basically Here's the thing that I'll I'll say first because I, I think the principle is important and why why we built Sellador students why we started to do it um, because because when you're a creator and you're on a mission and you've got a goal like this is where I'm trying to go this is what I want to create this is the impact that I want to make in the world um, you have a, a creator has a craft this is what I'm really good at that's that's your craft your your mission is how your craft impacts the world right so how do we impact the world with that so you're on that mission you're on this journey to to create that and um, and then and then from there. The, 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 the principle is like, now, when you start to look at yourself that way, you start to see yourself as a creator, you, you start to realize that your, your business more so is the content creation, right? So a lot of entrepreneurs, they look at, they look at, um, content creation as a tactic for driving leads into their business. It's the biggest mistake. It's the reason why it falls flat. It doesn't work because your audience, when they watch that, they're like, you're just trying to drive leads. You're just trying to get, just trying to make money from this. And, and then honestly, admittedly, like that, that's what I did for a long time. It's why I was inconsistent with it. It's it, like, I was only doing it when it was working. Right. And, uh, and I see a lot of entrepreneurs doing that. So, so the goal is like, when you start to see yourself as a creator and you go, okay, well now it's not that, um, you know, I, I I have this business and I'm using content to drive leads into that business instead like the content in a way is the business, right? Like that's, that's the main thing. And it's not really the, it's not really the content as so much as it is. The mission is the business. The whole point of this is the mission, what I'm trying to accomplish. The content is actually a tool for rallying people to the cause. And then the business, if you're an entrepreneur, you probably have a business, that business exists to support that cause, Right. So if my mission is to make everyone a creator, is to help everyone to see themselves as a creator, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. That's part of my craft is being entrepreneurial, starting businesses, buying, exiting. Like that's, I'm fascinated by that. I'm interested in that and good at it, right? And so if that's, that's my craft, then like, yeah, I'm going to start this business and multiple businesses down the road and probably make other acquisitions and scale things and do all sorts of stuff. Like that's, it's something that I enjoy doing. And so... So my business actually exists to support that mission, which is why I created the agency that creates content for people. Uh, One of the biggest things that holds entrepreneurs back from creating content and being a creator is that they don't know how to be creative. They don't know how to create the content. They don't know how to come up with things to say. Uh, what they need to do, like how to shoot it, how to edit it, like the entire production pipeline is very foreign to a lot of entrepreneurs. Now, if we're talking to filmmakers here, they're all like, "Oh yeah, I know how to do that," but entrepreneurs don't know how to do that, right? And they need it, and they need so much help. And so, if my mission is to help these entrepreneurs and these 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 uh, leaders and these movement builders to understand how to be a creator, then I've built a uh, service that. Helps them and supports them in doing that, and so that's where the agency uh, comes from, and that's why we're running that. So in Celador Studios, what we do is we we manage the entire production pipeline for our clients. And so uh, you could be an entrepreneur, and a lot of these people like have massive influence, they'll get on big stages, they have huge crowds like, cheering for them, they've, they've made tons of money, uh, they're making millions or tens of millions or even sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars. Like they're, they're successful in every aspect of the word in terms of like external success. But then a lot of them, they're coming to me and they're going, but I don't feel fulfilled. Or I don't feel like my message is getting out there. I don't feel like my social media accounts, for example, really truly represent who I am. And uh, and it actually really gets down to the the more the internal deal. And and it's and it's it's interesting because like I've seen this with you know small creators, and I've seen it with very successful entrepreneurs. It's the same question: is how do I how do I create? In a way that helps me to express myself. How do I create in a way that that represents me the way that I see myself on the inside and not just the you know the external success that I've had? And so that's that's what we exist to help people figure out. So we'll go through it at the very beginning. We do a deep strategy uh, like checking out all of their stuff, their target market, their content and everything, we develop a strategy around it. Like here's what you should do with social media. Um, so we have content strategists on our team who understand social media and how it works. Um, but then but then mostly we're a video forward agency and very video focused because I believe video is the best way to build a connection with people online by far. And so and so we we come in and we we tee them up with all of the scripts and like here's the videos that you need to make, here's all the topics, the hooks, the angles, there's what you need to do. Um, we show up, like we send a team out to actually shoot the videos for them once a month with all the lights and the gear and everything. And then we take all the footage, we edit it for them, and then we publish it to their accounts. So an entrepreneur who's busy and, um, and doesn't have time to like figure out the production or do all of that, and, and they need to not figure that out because they have their craft and their zone of genius, which is being the subject matter expert on their thing and being the visionary of that. Uh, they need to focus all their time and energy on that. We want to help them and support them in going to the deepest levels of their craft by taking care of all of the production around it so that they don't have to uh, deal with it. So basically they show up um, at their own house or their own office for about five hours once a month. We take care of all the shooting and then the content goes out. Like clockwork, and that's uh, that's basically the service that we
1: provide. Man, what I love too, I checked out the site, and this is something that we've been struggling with at Cinema Story. Is you know, we so we do some of that. Like I saw on your your page, you have six. Uh, services steps right like I loved how you brand and you covered that like branding the production um, but to distribution and even lead generation like handling the messaging and dms and all that stuff so you're handling the entire pipeline and that's what we're finding is you know like it, it goes back to just the commercial world like we you know unless you're making a broadcast spot or you're you know something i always ask our clients like what's the goal what's the purpose what's the why what's the roi so because i want you to call me again and we're going to do this again so we have a lot of repeat clients because their videos have made them you know millions of dollars and and with the social content you've got these entrepreneurs like you said they don't have the time or even the expertise to or the knowledge the tech knowledge to like post and like be be uh consistent and so we've kind of only been doing the production side of it, you know, in some consulting, branding, consulting, production. And I've been struggling with the I don't want to own distro and I don't want to I don't want to own like all of that because now I've got to get more people in place to handle all of these accounts. But that's it's like if you create a piece of content and it's not executed properly, they're not going to get the value out of it. You know, so would you would you say was that always your model of, hey, we want to handle all six of these aspects because you find the most success that way or uh so you do it out of like almost necessity like hey we want to take this off your plate and do it right for you or is it more of a um kind of a a individual package where you you would be like yeah we just do we could just do the video and content creation is it kind of like an all-in-one or or uh, uh all or nothing type model
0: yeah, no, we've got we've got a few different packages, and there's some people that where we like we just do strategy and scripting for them. Okay, and uh, and so it can work that way for sure. Uh, it it really was like we've we figured out like it started from you know who are we serving and like what result do we want to help them get, and that was really like we want to serve entrepreneurs and we want to. Uh, successful entrepreneurs and we want to help them to become a creator. And so like, so you go from that and you go, okay, so then what tools do they need or what, what, what are they lacking in order mm. to get there? And like, what step-by-step process, what's the journey for them to be successful with that, um, that, it, that we can provide and uh, and reasonably, right? So, you know, if you're, you're starting a business and you're like, I don't, I don't want to get into uh, distribution or running ads or like posting content stuff because I don't know anything about that. Well then don't do that. That's fine. Like it's, it's okay. Like really get clear on what you're good at. Um, we just felt that we were strategically advantaged and positioned to be able to provide a full service like that Mm -hmm. because of my background experience. Uh, if you look at like the last 20 years of my life, like it's, it's all led up to this. Mm. It's a, it's a combination of like filmmaking, artistic and creative skills and uh, internet marketing skills social media content, like, that's just my background is like the the big, like, mashup of all of those things. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, that's, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to provide for people. But even now, today, like, we're still doing a lot of market research and asking people questions, like, what parts of this are the most intriguing to you? What's, what's the most helpful? Um, and there's, there's things that will come up that we're like, oh, we didn't think about that, like, we could offer that to people. Mm-hmm. Or there's things that are like, we are offering that, but nobody, it seems like nobody really actually cares about that. And so so we're figuring out how to structure our offers all the time. We're constantly making changes to like what it needs to be included into this to give somebody like everything they need and get them the result that they need in the simplest way possible.
2: Mm. Eric, we could talk to you all day, man. You are an absolute wealth of knowledge, my friend. This has been Such a great episode. And I know that Shane and I have uh, taken a lot of value out of it. If nobody else hears this podcast, this was great for Shane and myself, man. So thank you so much for your time, man. Before before we get you out of here, we got five quick questions that we like to ask all of our guests. Um, The first one is definitely the hardest, but the first question is, if you could go back and do your career differently, what is one thing that you would change? Uh, for filmmakers out there, to spare them from going through as well.
0: Ooh, like my entire career, or like my filmmaking career. Yeah, want me to get specific? yeah,
2: like in your, in your filmmaking career, if you could go back and do it all again differently, what's one thing that you would change? I I think that like, as a filmmaker,
0: the thing the thing that I would change is really like getting clear on get to where i know what i want to do faster
1: Mm.
0: and uh and and what that means is spending more time experimenting and just having fun with it Mm. in the beginning stages like i mean you see like 22 year olds that are like oh no i haven't figured it out yet and i've got so much to go whatever and it's like man but you're still so young and you still have so much left and like that was me at 22 like honestly i always like I had that entrepreneurial bug that was like, I got to build something. I got to make money. I've got to do it fast. And I think in a lot of ways, like it was probably a, it probably crippled me. It was probably a crutch um, because like that idea of, you know, it was the two things. It was like, I want to know, I want to figure out what I love to do and then make money doing it. I was always trying to make money while I was figuring out what I love to do. And therefore I never really got to like be creative and like really get to know what it was. not that that I wasn't, I mean, I did a lot of fun stuff, but like, I think I could have spent more time just like having fun with it, making passion projects, doing things just for, just for the fun and for the love of it to get really clear on like, what is, what is it that I'm good at? What is it that I love? What are the best parts of this process? What do I want to do? And then, uh, and then from there, like, then once you figure that out, then you go, okay, now how can we scale this? How can we make this like a, a viable thing? Um, so yeah, that's,
2: that's probably one thing that I would say is what I would do differently. I love it. Do more art for art's sake, man. I love it. Yeah. Uh, what excites you the most about the current film industry or market? Um, I think that like
0: the film industry is going through like crazy changes right now. And there's, there's like, it's like adapter die basically. Um, and you've got, you've got like the film industry, Hollywood kind of thing. And then you've got like the video content industry, and uh, and there's and there's a really interesting like interplay between them, but then also like it's like I see it just kind of blending and all becoming the same thing, and so uh, so I, I for me like I'm I'm very futuristic like I love seeing the the direction things are going and like how things are changing and just adapting to that and modifying it. I know a lot of people that like complain about it. And uh, oh well, the AI is the whole thing, and like it's, and, like it's, like you can sit around and complain about it all day, but like it ain't gonna change anything like it's happening, so you might as well get excited about it and have fun with it and experiment with it. uh people complain about vertical video, like you'll see filmmakers complaining about that like it's, i it's sorry, it's here, whether you like it or not, so uh adapt or die, right um, uh, and I think vertical video is actually like kind of fun if you get into it and you start. You know, even even on like really high end productions, like figuring out how to how to how to compose for vertical video is actually a really fun, interesting challenge. Like, it it, it for me it like brings life to filmmaking. It's it's those constraints that breed creativity. And so when it's like some if the curveball gets thrown at you like that, where you have to do something different than what, how you've always done it, it
2: uh, it it creates like a breeding grounds for that creativity. So mm. yeah. it's awesome, man. Yeah, I I, I mentioned before, but we have been used to vertical photos for the longest time like as a society Mm -hmm. and it's just now finally catching up to where video has you know become just as comfortable for us but you know it's it's almost been something that I think is it's been a long time coming like for it to finally get here and be introduced and so uh yeah I love it short form's not going anywhere and uh it is an adapt or die thing like as content creators you have to be in the vertical video game because that's where the that's where the future of filmmaking is heading and i think even in the narrative space like there's always going to be you know a landscape uh industry so to speak of traditional hollywood films but we're starting to see high level you know multi-million dollar films be shot in a vertical format which is something that's never been done before and i i think a vertical movie theater screen is coming before we know it man it's it's going to be a thing so
0: who knows yeah
2: um, man, next question. So what is one piece of advice that you can give to filmmakers trying to grow in their craft or their business?
0: Hmm, man, there's so many. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, aside from what I said earlier about like, you know, just, just having more fun. Uh, if like trying to grow your business, like the thing that filmmakers and creatives need to understand is that like, you got to learn the, the business side of things. Mm. Like there, just like, there's a skill of making good films there's a skill of making good money and it's and it's two separate things and and a lot of filmmakers a lot of creators they they creatives like get this kind of perception that like all I have to do is get better at my craft and then I will make more money like that's the solution to it and it's not really true. Like you, you, they do that because they look at the people who are successful and they're usually good at their craft. Right. And so it's like, they can make that, that, uh, correlation that like, Oh, good at craft equals good at making money. But the reality is that the, the way those people got made the money was actually through like, whether it was networking or marketing or whatever, like got to the point that they were at and were able to start doing that. So, um, I think like eliminating that correlation in your head that like being good at what you do, the thing that you do, equals like making a ton of money at it Uh, because it's not it's not always true do you want to be the best in the world at your craft yes like do it go like make it amazing like provide an amazing experience for your clients like be the best make it amazing it's amazing but but don't discount like the skill of marketing and sales like understanding those things like how to how to market and how to sell Uh, you know that's what we would teach our filmmakers in our in our programs a lot of times was like, you're a filmmaker, you're already good at making films. Let's teach you how to sell now. And just learning those skills, like they would actually start to make money from it and actually start to charge high prices. Like we took people from literally like making less than a thousand dollars per video to charging a hundred thousand dollars for a video. Like the quality of their work didn't change at all. It's just that they figured out how to sell and who to sell to and how to market it, how to sell it to the right people. So, um, when you do that, you know, I think a lot of creatives, a lot of filmmakers are hesitant to, like, charge high prices for their work and everything. But the thing is, you got to realize that when you do that, it allows you to create even better work. And it's, like, that same thing. Like, if you really want to go to the deepest levels, if you really want to be the best that you can be, like, you're not going to do it bootstrapping all the time. Like, mm-hmm. like you got to figure out how to get those budgets so that you can create, like, really start to create the stuff that you want to, the vision that
2: you have in your head. Mm. Yeah, and a lot of times the price of the videos that you charge is a direct reflection upon the quality of work that they expect to receive. And so when you start Mm -hmm. working with big-level executives, If you charge them, you know, give them a quote for a $500 video, they're going to expect that you're a creator that delivers a $500 value to them when they might be looking for, you know, a $50,000 quote so that they expect a $50,000 value and ROI on their uh, their project. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's great, man. Um, Where are we as an industry headed in filmmaking, and what should we be focusing on? Where are we headed... As an industry,
0: uh, we're definitely like you see like video content is becoming very much a thing, and everyone everyone's a creator. Everyone is everyone can create content. Like the tools and the the skills needed to create like high quality video is. Uh, they're ubiquitous, they're everywhere. Like, I mean, the new iPhone just came out and it shoots 4K ProRes externally to an external uh, SSD, at like a high bit rate. And it like, you know, there's there's reasons why that's not the same as an interchangeable lens system and, a, and, you know, a quality camera, but it's still like for most people and for a lot of applications of video today, it works. Mm. And, and you got to be okay with that and accept that, that that's, that's what's happening. And so like, how do you stand out in, in a sea where everyone is a, a videographer? And, and the thing is like, this, this is interesting because I, I think this happened to the photography industry first, right? It, it was so much easier to like make everyone a photographer first before making everyone a videographer because, because not, not to like you know, bash the photographers out there, but but in comparison, photography versus videography, like photography is really easy. It, and it just like, videography adds that element of motion and like the 24 frames per second that like complicates everything. Like you can't like, you can't, it, it just doesn't come across the same way It's like bigger file sizes. You can't, uh, you have bit rates. You have like, it, there's all these things that make it more difficult. Whereas like a single photo, it's really easy for a camera to just like quick process a very s- one frame and make it look beautiful. And so, and so the photography industry really got like run over. I think a lot faster because um, because of that. And like people can take photos on their phones, or you can buy a very cheap camera that is uh, phenomenal, and amazing today. And that is happening with video as well. Is that like it's democratized? Anybody can do it. And so the question you got to be asking yourself is, what are you what are you doing to stand out? What are you doing to uh, to put yourself in another league? What are you doing to com- to uh, position yourself against? just anybody that can do it. And there's a lot of ways to do that. I don't know that I could like tell you like the answer for you, but, but be thinking about like the skills around filmmaking. Right. And so like for us, for example, it's like the ability to market and get people results. Like ultimately that's what they care about. Right. It's like, I'm not going to go around um, promising Uh, High quality video as our unique selling proposition to people like oh our videos are so much better than everybody else's Like if you're a filmmaker and that's your proposition You are dead in the water, right? Because everybody can create high quality video It's it's not it's not a unique thing anymore And so so be thinking about like well, what results can you get people? How can you help the right people gain status? How can you how can you use those um, video skills to, uh, to actually produce something for people and actually make an impact. So um, that's really the question that it comes down to. And if you can get clear on that, like, who's my target, who's my target market? What result can I get them? Like, that's where you're going to find the is in that more so than just, like, I make really good-looking videos.
1: Dude, haven't we come such a long way? Eric, you know, we were talking about the Super 8 and Digital 8 camcorders, and now iPhones. Everybody can make video, edit video on your phone – and back in the day, you know, we would shoot, you have to go buy the tape, you shoot it, you transfer it to digital to, to chop it up and final cut or whatever, you know, and it was such a process and it's what a, what a time to be alive, you know, but I a hundred percent agree with the, the ROI and the marketing aspect of it. You're like I'm big on case studies, you know, if you can show your client, you know, the value you can provide, uh, that's how you can get them
2: coming back for more and more. Um, yeah, man, hundred percent. Love it, man. Uh, last question for you who is one filmmaker you admire and why uh just one just one <laughs> right man down to one yeah do you want like a do you want like a like a hollywood filmmaker whoever comes to mind whoever comes to yeah. mind and has impacted your filmmaking approach the most
0: yeah i would i would say that like i mean i could list a bunch but um as as far as directors go like christopher nolan just I just love his work. Yeah. Um. His movies. I I think Inception was the first movie that I ever watched that just made me go, whoa, mm. right? It, it was it, it was like that that uh, that experience of like it almost like existential experience. Like watching that. I was sitting in my living room on my laptop watching it in an armchair, and like the movie ended, and then like. I looked up and it was just like, where am I? Like, what is, what is happening? Like having that experience was like so amazing. And then, and then, and then I think that he replicated that again with Interstellar. Dude. It was the same thing. Like Interstellar, I was like, I was like speechless for like two weeks. I couldn't even talk. Dude, I literally
2: just experienced the same thing. I'm so late to watching Interstellar in that I had that moment where I was like, I, I can't watch another movie like until I process this film. It was so good. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was
0: amazing. And then, like, Tenet was amazing, too. Like, I, I just, I, I love his philosophy on filmmaking. Like, people give him crap because, he because like, you can't hear the dialogue and stuff. But I love the reasons why he does that. And, like, he makes his filmmaking very raw and real and natural. And I think that's really cool. Um, I, I will say, like, Oppenheimer was, uh, was, was an amazing movie uh phenomenal but it wasn't it wasn't very much a Nolan movie so I was a little bit disappointed because it didn't it didn't have that same like flavor to it that he, that he usually does uh but still but still incredible so so yeah that, that's what I would say Christopher Nolan like has been really inspiring to me just in his storytelling skills and his ability to do like unique things with filmmaking and, and tell original stories and and uh, and just make it really cool so
2: he's legendary it. yeah, yeah. Christopher is the goat. He's the goat for sure. Uh, Eric, man, uh, for those that want to get connected with you, what is the best way for people to get in touch? Um, you
0: can find me everywhere at Eric Thane. So any social media accounts, uh, at Eric Thane, E-R-I-C-T-H-A-Y-N-E. Um, my website's EricThane.com. My agency is celadora studios.com C-E-L-A-D-O-R-A. <laughs> and then, uh, Yeah. I mean, follow me on any social media profiles. I've got, uh, you know, we were talking about boredom and and stuff. Um, I actually have a, I have a newsletter that's launching tomorrow. Um, that is like a, just like a free weekly newsletter where I'm going to be providing like Stuff like we talked about today, like if, so if this vibes with you, if this is like your kind of jam being a creator and like what that means to be an entrepreneur and to grow and, and be creative, um, that's what it's all about. And so I'm releasing articles, um, issues through that newsletter every single week that are like really in depth dives into some of these topics. Um, so, so you can find that at ericthane.com as well, if you want to get subscribed there. Um, and yeah, that's free 99. So, uh, we'll see you there.
1: That's awesome man. We'll put those links in the uh YouTube and yeah. uh, all places that we post, man. We'll we'll include those. And I'm
2: definitely looking forward to that. I'll be subscribing to that Same. free 99. Yeah, dude. We're super grateful uh dude for everything that you brought today on this episode. This was definitely a heavy hitter and we are very thankful for all the all the education that you're giving back to the filmmaking community, man. You are making a difference in the lives Uh, Of creators and just showing people and inspiring people to find their mission, find their voice. And uh, we just thank you for your time here today, man.
0: Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure to be here.
2: Awesome, man. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Rough Cut Club.